Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Allie Terry. You guys know who we are. It's the most paranormal podcast on any platform and the only hard-hitting investigative journalism podcast about things that may or may not have even happened in the first place. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests while Natalia is out of town on a holiday trip. But before I reveal who they are, I'd like to take a moment to introduce them. Our first guest today is the insanely talented and badass Lauren Holmes. The internet knows her best for her time on the web series Sugar Pine 7, but Lauren is also an extremely talented web and UX designer. She just launched a company called Pacific Immersion, which is a coastal living inspired art and lifestyle goods store, which you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Pacific underscore Immersion. Lauren, hi. Hi. How are you today? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. And then our second guest today is the equally insanely talented and equally badass woman, Mimi Torres. Mimi is a very accomplished actress and producer who is most familiar to the internet for producing and playing a fictionalized version of herself in Sugar Pine 7. She has also lent her voice to many video games and animated projects, including Fallout 4, Sleeping Dogs, multiple Final Fantasy games, and recently has kept herself busy with dubbing foreign films and TV shows to English, notably including the lead character in the anime feature Hakira-san, Here Comes Miss Modern. Is that Hakira-san? She also produced and starred on camera in many award-winning films circling the festival circuit over the years with her and her friend's production company, Bad and Classic Productions. Many of those films can be found on the Bad and Classic YouTube channel. And you can also find Mimi on her own personal YouTube channel that is under her name. Hi, Mimi. Hi. I should have hired you to write my dating app. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are you guys today? Fantastic. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Natalia is skiing this weekend with our friend Audrey. I don't ski, so I don't understand how it works, but they were explaining to me that you cannot predict the snow. And so when the snow comes, you've got to go. <laughs> like, like no your yeah. 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 So the yeah. snow came and this is the weekend that they have to go up there. So oh. yeah. So we miss Natalia whenever she's not on an episode. We got a shout out, Natalia. Yes. We love yeah. her very much. Everybody go tweet at her. Go comment on her Instagram. Tell her the podcast just isn't the same without her and that <laughs> you're looking forward to next episode. I don't know how many episodes you guys have listened to our podcast before, but the whole concept, we like to kind of explain off the top because we've been getting a lot of new listeners lately, what our podcast is all about. So It's about getting haunted, but getting haunted can mean a lot of different things. It could mean that you got really drunk. It could mean that there's a ghost following you around. It could mean you've had a random bout of bad luck. It can mean anything. And it started because Natalia and I were on a road trip and we got really drunk at a haunted hotel. And our hashtag hashtag for the trip was let's get haunted. And so now anytime anything is going a little bit wrong or like a little bit ratchet, now we just say like, it's fine. We're just getting haunted. It's totally fine. (laughs) If you guys have any haunted tales that you want to share to start off the podcast, this is your time as our guests. I have one. Okay, Mimi, go for it. Okay, so this might be a little clumsy, but um, I was born on a ranch in Sonola in Northern California, and um, years and years before I was born, my dad moved to this ranch, and years and years before he moved there, there was this, like, this old, like, curmudgeonly man who lived on this ranch, and his name was Cricket. That's my favorite word, too. Curmudgeon. (laughs) Yeah. I like that his name is Cricket. Right? Like that, too. Yeah. (laughs) What, like, a hick name. Yeah. Cricket. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Cricket was a drunk. 
Okay, well, I could Perfect. surmise from his name. If my mother names me Cricket, I might also enjoy a lot of alcohol. Who do doesn't? That. You know? You know? Yeah. So Cricket was a drunk, and one night he got really, really drunk and, like, wandered off and ended up in a creek that was kind of adjacent to this ranch. Okay. And he died. Oh. And they found his body, like, in the creek. Okay. So years and years pass, and my dad's, like, you know, living there, and this mom moves on to the ranch, and she brings her two little kids with her, a five-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Okay. And they go about their lives, like, they're living. And then one day, the five-year-old girl, like, runs to her mom. She's, like, in the house, like, folding laundry, doing dishes. And she's like, Mom, 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 I have to tell you about my friend. And her mom's like, okay, sweetie, like, tell me about your friend. And she's like, he's, like, this old man. And he's, like, really big. And he wears this, like, (laughs) raccoon skin hat. And his name is Cricket. No. Yes. So here's the deal. This mom has never... Cricket has never been mentioned to her because he's been gone for years and years and years. At this point, my dad has even forgot that he existed because, uh-huh. you know, people come and go. You forget about Poor him. Poor Cricket, yeah. Poor Cricket. Sorry, buddy. Oh. Um, but so Cricket just kind of becomes like a, a part of their life, like every day. Like, oh, Cricket did this. Cricket did that, you know. And Cricket's oh, just this like household name. So. Um, Wait, and the mom doesn't know. No. Does she think it's an imaginary friend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she okay. thinks it's an imaginary friend. So. Uh, a couple months later, um, they're having like a holiday party on the ranch for like all the residents. And the mom's, you know, she's, you know, throwing a couple back and she's like, I, you know, I want to just tell you about my, my little girl. She has this imaginary friend and oh, he's like this old man who wears this like raccoon skin hat and his name is Cricket. And everyone went, uh, <laughs> so, um, you're being haunted. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so what did she say? Did she not let her <clears throat> kid go to the creek anymore? Well, her kid didn't go to the creek. Oh, it was, Cricket was in the house. house. Cricket, oh my Cricket's God. spirit yes. is not limited to the creek is what you're no, telling no, no, me. No, no, That Cricket is a powerful spirit. Back. Yeah. So Cricket came back and was like this little girl's imaginary friend. Cut to, I'm born and I lived on this ranch. <laughs> and for the first four years of my life, I had an imaginary friend named Anne Marie. And she was a little girl who got me in trouble all the time. And now, um, after my dad told me that's why I'm like, uh, w- was I also haunted? Was there also a little girl that died over there? So I'm not quite sure, but I had an I think friend. yes. I automatically think yes. I think I might have been haunted. Yeah. And like they literally have like videotapes of me as a kid at a wedding. And I'm yelling at Anne Marie because she's like playing on the stairs while my aunt was getting married. And like it, this was like a huge part of my childhood. And like I distinctly remember this girl and she always got me in trouble. Do you remember what she looked like? Yeah, she was like a little girl with brown hair. And they never saw her? No, no, no. She didn't, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I wonder if like Cricket became friends with Anne-Marie. Has has Anne-Marie followed you around? Uh, no. Did she stay to the house? Yeah. Uh, well, she she moved with me from one house to another. Okay, oh. that's called an attachment. Natalia and I, so we've told stories about attachments on this podcast. I've learned so much about the paranormal <laughs> through doing this. And we had a listener write in about a similar situation where they were haunted by like the ghost of a child that had died in a house. Like, And so then anyway, like all this crazy shit happened and then the, their family moved to another house and the little girl followed. Oh, wow. So Yeah, I think I was attached yeah, yeah. to. But yeah, that's my like little tiny little creepy story. I'm kind of jealous. Let me tell you why. Because neither Natalia nor I have ever seen a ghost. And so, and we all like, but we want to so bad. And uh-huh. I feel like that's why the ghosts won't talk to us because they know that we want it. We're desperate. Uh. You know, it's like when you're dating and then a guy can yeah. tell that you just like really like him. So then he immediately writes you off. They're this like, is over us it. with the spirits. <laughs> spirits are like, no, this is too easy. We're going to go find somebody else. Oh, I'm like the exact opposite. I want to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> have you ever seen a ghost? No, but I, I used to love 
like scary movies all the mm-hmm. time. I'd watch mm-hmm. them in fourth grade. Oh, I love them too. And yeah, and then it got to a point where like I became convinced because I like my bed had broken at a certain point. So I had to sleep in this guest room and I was convinced this room was haunted. Mm. And all my friends too were also convinced. And I had to sleep in there and just like look at the closet. <laughs> Closets are scary. Like there, I remember being little at my grandma's house and she... You know, like old people homes, I feel like if they were built before a certain year are just kind of random. It's like old like people would have kids in the 50s and just build another room. It's like mm-hmm. you didn't have to get a permit. So then everything's sort of haphazard. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to have to stay in one of the guest rooms and it was just kind of like an afterthought room that had been built onto the side of the house. And it had the weirdest closet. And I just remember every night staring at it thinking there's something in there. Ugh. Yeah, so I, I get really freaked out about, like, house hauntings. And I have a few mm-hmm. questions, too, for, like, the one day when I ever, like, buy a house. Because you never really know for sure. Right, right. And then I have questions. I'm like, all right, what if you do find out that this house is haunted? Like, you hear stories about it all the mm-hmm. time. And you tear down the house. Where does the ghost go? Does it stay on that property? Well, does it, like, go in the general vicinity? Do you guys have an answer? So, Natalia and I went, <laughs> Let me tell you what, my limited knowledge. Okay. So, Natalia and I went to AlienCon this year. And we sat in on a panel that was all about ghosts and how to like let them go free, how to release them into the app. I think I told you guys about this because I feel like I saw you guys right after we went to AlienCon. And yeah. it was that guy that was just screaming the whole time. Yeah. And he, yeah. So apparently that's all you have to do to release the soul what? of the spirit is you just have to sit there with your eyes closed, breathe really hard into a microphone in front of an audience, and then say that the ghost is inside of you and then just scream. And then now the ghost has been released because that's what he did. And apparently he also <laughs> does convincing. this to the souls of horses that die in Gettysburg so apparently there's also some restless horse spirits that are just wandering around the U.S. those poor horses I know and we're not even thinking about them no we're not we completely forget about these the horse, horse the ghosts innocent horses I know now I'm sad for the horses I know but like, horse than the humans I have never met somebody before that was like yeah I was like haunted and it was a horse I've never, I've right? never heard that before. I, I feel like that wouldn't be as scary. No, no, you just I would be it like, would be like my friend more so. Like, do you yeah. want an apple? Like, what yeah. do you need? Like, I don't. Nah, you're not yeah. gonna run into me. <laughs> I like, know. Like, get me with your hoof, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. So that's what I know about that. But I also know that if you buy a haunted house in in most states in the U.S., they're not obligated to tell you that it's haunted. It's only if somebody was murdered there within a certain mm, number of yeah. years that they have to tell you. But if you ask specifically, don't they have legally have to? disclose or it's like they don't it's like don't ask don't tell I don't that's a good question um I I just remember we did one story about a haunted house and somebody bought it and they didn't know it was haunted but the state they were living in said that there was no obligation for the realtor to tell them but I also don't know if the person asked that's a good question yeah I don't know first question I ask yeah Yeah. (laughs) I don't care how many bathrooms there are don't care about the price just care is it haunted I've I always ask every time I've moved into a new apartment in LA and I've moved quite a lot of times I'm like did anybody die here? Has anybody been murdered here? I know you legally have to disclose that. That's true. In LA, the they have to disclose. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Japan, so another story we did um, yes. Yes, was about different homes in Japan that are specifically rented at a cheaper price because some like something bad has happened there. So it could be a haunting or it could be a murder and they have to legally disclose. And it's called a Jiko Buken. I'm pronouncing it wrong, but that's how it's spelled. And 
people like specifically will seek out these apartments if they're non-believers to rent them because they're so much cheaper yeah. than anything else in the area. And it's kind of isn't we because I remember talking to you about this. It's like disrespectful in Japanese culture to be in a place like that. Like, right. They kind of like condemn right. them. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like, why would you ever want to put yourself in that Agreed. position? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. but then non-believers' arguments are, well, I don't believe in it anyway. I'm going to get this sick get apartment the cheaper for yeah. Like yeah. half off. Yeah, right? <laughs> I wish I was in that place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I feel like I, I would, I don't think I would go so far as to sign a lease for a haunted place, but I'd like to spend the night in a haunted place and see what happens. Yeah, well, so um, in Northern California, there's the Winchester Mystery House. Yes. Can you spend the night you there? You can. You oh. can do overnights there, and I've always wanted to do that. Wait, we should do that. I, I would, would do it with a group of people. Yes, I would yeah. love that. I think they do it like specifically around Halloween time. Oh, that's amazing. I would love um, to do that. It's but yeah, it's fun. like so creepy. So it was like a big um, field trip place uh, as a kid. So I went on like multiple field trips there and it's like so, it's just, it's amazing to see somebody's, um, if you want to think about it this way, if you want, it's like, it's somebody's mental illness, like just manifested, yeah, manifested in like a structure. Right. And it's, and that's so true because it's very rarely do we hear about mentally ill people that are also incredibly wealthy? Yeah. And so she was able, the woman that created that house was able to just keep building and keep mm -hmm. doing whatever she wanted to do with the house. Yeah. Because money was no object. Yeah. And then I, was it you who told me that the reason why she was, if you believe in the haunting side of it, the reason why she was haunted is because her family made the Winchester guns. Yeah, her husband. Her husband. Okay. And so then the souls of people that were murdered by, by the Winchester the, rifle. By the Winchester rifle haunted her. And that's why she kept building yeah, so under her house escape. so they couldn't find her. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's All right, let's do weird. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week. Um, okay, so I want to play an icebreaker game with you guys. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and normally we have the nut button here. And since Natalia's not here and she's the keeper of the nut, I don't have <laughs> the nut button with me. So I think what I'm going to have to do is um, we also have our audio engineer here right now. Anosh, if you want to say hi. Hi, how's it going? Do you guys remember him? Um, and from <laughs> Jamie's episode, I think Jamie was trying to date you the whole time he was here. That's right. Yes. yes, yes. Uh -huh. So how could you it's forget? Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to have you see who raises their hand first after each question? Because right. I, I can't, I mean, we can't smack the table because that's going to then register on the mics. And I don't have the nut button. I guess you can I don't know. We have that? a very talented like, voice artist here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen Naked Director, everyone has heard me. Yeah. You know, nut. So. Okay. All right. Well, okay. do you guys, would you rather raise your hands or would you rather scream nut? Uh, I kind of want to scream nut. Okay. okay. Let's say nut. No, okay. it's okay if you want to. <laughs> well, let's try it. Let's do the first round saying nut. And then if it doesn't work out, Anosha's going to have to watch and see who raises their hand right. first. So I'm the arbiter of who says nut first. Correct. All right. Yeah. I so can do that. Every, say, say nut one at a time so that he can get used to your voices. Okay. Nut. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, that was similar to the button. It was yeah, kind of like, like a nut. nut, yeah, nut, yeah, nut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit robotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, are we trying to match the nut button? You can do whatever nut strikes your fancy. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to just Mimi nut. 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 Okay. <laughs> See, that's cute. That's, like that's a much cuter. That's like a little chipmunk, you know? Like, oh, nut. Yeah. Like, I just found a nut. Yeah. And then Lauren's like, a little I more. Just, was, mine was dark. Oops. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read off some creepy winter holiday traditions from around the world. Mm -hmm. Some are real and some are fake. You guys need to tell me which you think are real and which you think are fake. And it's a competition. Okay, here we go. So I'm just going to read you one sentence of a possible creepy winter tradition from around the world. You tell me, is this fact 
or fiction? Is it true or false? You can say whichever one you want. Yell nut. And then Anosh is going to point to you if you oh, said okay. it first. And then you tell me true or false. Okay? Mimi, All right. <laughs> but Mimi, you're so competitive. Huh? I am. And that's why I'm upset right now. <laughs> that's why it hurts. Oh, wait. Can you pass me? I also need to keep keep score. Thank you. We got a notepad. This Your is... old notepad is still there. I, I... Is that you've never touched it? Yeah, no, it's right there. You oh. mean the nut pad? Yeah. The nut pad. Oh, yeah. we need to make, we should make... Oh, look at this. Yeah. Allie James. I won, in case anyone was wondering. It's <laughs> very important to me. Okay. Possible holiday tradition number one. Christmas ornaments evolved from witch balls. A nut? Uh, well, that was easy. It was me. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> that was pretty close. <laughs> okay, Mimi, true or false? Um, I'm going to say true. Ding, ding, ding. Ooh. True. Mimi gets a point. The I would have gotten that wrong. <laughs> I just guessed. <laughs> the tradition of hanging toys and treats from the Christmas tree is largely German in origin, but the phenomenon of glass-blown spheres and baubles may actually be part of a spooky idea dating back to at least the 17th century across Britain and Ireland, known as witch balls. These were glass-blown spheres, sometimes layered on the inside with silver, that were believed to ward off evil spirits. The National Museum of Ireland explains... The Oxford Dictionary of English Folklore states that their purpose was to, quote, attract and neutralize the evil eye of a passing witch, either by reflecting it back upon her or by puzzling her with the pattern. Hmm. The belief at the time was that the bright colors of the ball, after enticing the witch and possibly other darker spirits, would trap them inside of it and thus protect the home from such negativity. Witch balls also gained popularity among the settlers of New England, who sometimes filled them with holy water for added protection. Witch balls were originally placed in windows, but the process by which they may have been moved from that location to the Christmas tree is mysterious and unknown. It's not far-fetched, though, to suppose that people wanted to charm away spirits at a particularly holy and important point of the year and saw an opportunity in tree decoration. It's another example of ways in which pagan tradition and Christian belief have melded in, in Christmas's history. Hmm. So would that mean that if someone was a witch and they put a Christmas tree up, would they like? Would you automatically know because they wouldn't put witch balls up? That way. Now I'm thinking of everyone I know that doesn't put up. My mom is very balls. against witch. ornaments. And we need now a new I'm button. very concerned. She could be a witch. witch. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you should ask her. I might. I mean, we like witches <laughs> on this podcast. So oh, if yeah. she is a witch, just tell me and I'll have her on. I All feel right, a lot yeah. better about witches than ghosts. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Possible holiday tradition number two. The Irish once celebrated Christmas by partaking in the tradition of killing birds. True or false? Lauren? True. You're correct. It is true. Rude. <laughs> and I know. Okay. In That's Ireland, rude. the Christmas celebrations extend beyond the 25th of December and up until relatively recently involved bird murder. Of course. <laughs> According to regional Irish tradition, St. Stephen's Day, the 26th, was celebrated by killing a wren, placing it on top of a decorated pole, and taking it from house to house in a procession, singing and demanding money. The precise origins of the idea of wren slaughter are unclear. It's either a reference to the idea that the saint himself, St. Stephen, was betrayed by a wren, or a legend about wrens exposing hiding Irish villagers during a Viking raid in the 700s. The tradition known as going on the wren, or jenny hunting, is recorded all the way up to the 1930s in County Sligo and the Isle of Man, and people who gave pennies to, quote, bury the wren might also receive a feather from the wren itself to protect against bad luck. While the procession persists in some specific parts of Ireland, wrens themselves remain unmolested in recent times. 
How do you guys feel it. about that Feels one? Feels like white men blaming other people for their problems. Well, it is this Ireland. Time it's a bird. The whitest of countries. <laughs> Possible holiday tradition number three. In 1500s Austria, jails would be cleared out on the eve of winter solstice by sacrificing prisoners to the god of music. Nut. Nut. <laughs> I don't know. No, she wasn't. It was Laura. Okay. <laughs> she double nutted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, true. It's false. Dang it. It's <laughs> false. You get it negative one point. ridiculous enough to maybe be true. <laughs> no, that's false. I just made it up. Really? Mm-hmm. That was good. I'm very creative. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Incorporated unmolestation <clears throat> into a made-up fact. No, that was the previous one. Oh, that one. was... Oh, sorry, that was sorry. See, wait, you're zoning out, Anosh. Come on. Sorry, you're yeah. not, I told you it. I was at a wedding last night. <laughs> a lot of champagne. Wait, you didn't tell us... Okay, after we finish this game, you have to tell us a haunt, any haunted stories that happened at the wedding last night. Oh. Do you uh, have any? Ooh, I can make one up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Getting drunk is getting haunted, That's though. True. So you oh, can just yes, talk about right. that. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. fair. Okay. All right. Possible holiday tradition number four. In medieval England, the tradition of wassailing or caroling was thought to scare away ghosts. True. I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> Anosh, who was it? Uh, it was Mimi. Mm-hmm. True. Certainly. Yeah, you're right. It is ooh. true, Mimi. You get a point. See, look at you're already doing so well. So one of my best <laughs> friends that you guys know, her last name is Wassel. Yeah. And I guess it comes from wassail, which it means caroling. Oh. Anyway, so shout out to Amy. She listens to every episode. Hi, Amy. Love you, Amy. Hi. So we mostly know the word wassail from old carols nowadays, but from the medieval period in England onwards, it involved sharing apple spiked drinks like lamb's wool, which involved heating apples until they exploded and boiling alcohol and then adding spices and wishing each other good cheer. Some people took vast bowls of wassail from house to house in order to spread goodwill. In apple-centric rural areas, though, the tradition of wassailing around the 12 days of Christmas took on more elaborate forms, some of which survive to this day. To wassail meant to go out to visit the orchard in a giant procession on the 12th day of Christmas, singing happy songs to the trees to ensure a good harvest and protect them from evil spirits, shooting and hollering to scare any ghosts away, and sometimes asking small boys to hang toast soaked in cider on the Vows to attract good spirits in the form of birds. Everybody that's would then do. <laughs> find a small boy in your village, kidnap him, give him toast, have him hanging on the trees. Don't let no, him he has go. To home. Soak it first. Soak it first. You're right. Very important. We can so get Kim to do this. Yeah, I feel like I feel like oh, Kim would hang toast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Kidnap Kim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody would then share a wassailing cup full of cider and generally have a really good time. <laughs> Haunted. Haunted. Yes. This is very haunted, and I want to do this. Didn't you guys go to an orchard once for a sugar pine? Yes, oh, yeah. we did. Yeah. Didn't really see much of the orchard. Or the, yeah, I didn't get really any apples. Really? Wait, uh, why did you, you know, guys we saw go a lot there? Of cute animals. We, we went to get apples. Yeah, just turned out and to you not know, really be that You know, it was a sugar pine thing. It just kind of, that's a sugar pine thing. You go to do one thing, and, and then it never yeah, ends up being something else. It was a nice day. Yeah, okay. it was fun. Yeah. And you didn't see any evil spirits. You didn't see any toast hanging on trees. Nothing that made you feel like there were negative spirits in the air. I wish I would have looked out for it. <laughs> didn't even think about it. <laughs> well, Kib and, Kib and James went into like the restricted part of the orchard yeah. for a little bit. They probably could have gotten haunted. What was the restricted part of the orchard? It was like um, it had been either overpicked or something. And it was just like it was just walked off. But of course, the boys area, were like, and yeah, they're like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. We're not supposed to be in there. Let's go. Yeah. Because you know what I'm thinking? That's exactly what happened. The only restricted parts in agricultural areas are normally because they've been recently sprayed. So I wonder if oh, they shit. went into an area that had an active pesticide application. 
well, that explains things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess in Ever 20 years, then, just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Possible holiday tradition number five. In Iceland, a spike in murder around the holidays over the past 200 years has traditionally been attributed to, and I'm going to mispronounce this. I know we have Icelandic listeners. Jofulsen's Hyla, which translates to devil brains. Several murderers have even been found not responsible for their crimes by using this defense in court. Nut. Lauren. True. It's false. I Dang it. it. I was like, all right, oh, if you, she is... put a word in there yeah, that she can't that, pronounce. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a very devious. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's either going to be on purpose or it just yeah. happened to I'm be. I'm going to mispronounce this. <laughs> Stop it, you actor. <laughs> I went on Google Translate and I typed in devil brains and that's what it told me. So nice. we every once in a while will tell, well, not every once in a while, a lot of the time we tell stories on here that are from other cultures or other countries. And I'll, I butcher everything. And then we had someone write in once that was a little bit angry and I'm like, but I can't like, I don't know. I don't speak every language in the world. Mm -hmm. But then the next time Natalia, what she did was she had Siri pronounce whatever the word was. <laughs> so it was and just Siri was in, to blame. Yeah. She was editing the episode. Anytime we said the word, That's she perfect. just cut it in. So it's like this robot voice pronouncing it correctly. Perfect. Possible holiday tradition. Number six. In South Wales, an old Christmas tradition involved putting a dead horse on a pole and taking it door to door for people to decorate. Nut. I'm upset, but I think it's true. You are correct, Mimi. That is true. Ugh. Winner, winner, winner. Haunted winner, horses. Winner. Haunted horses. <laughs> this, that's why the spirit of horses are still around yeah. on Earth, because Ooh. their bodies have been paraded around on sticks and taken door to door. We just saw. Now I think yeah. that guy was telling the truth. Dang it. And Natalia and I made fun of him in our vlog. Yeah. But what if he, he's doing Maybe. the Lord's work? It, it could be true. Yes. But also, it's not that terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Seeing like the spirit of a dead horse on a stick might be. Terrifying. I think it is. They probably haunt like the Godfather. You know, like the horse head in the bed. Like that. Yes. I would assume mm. like that was that would be how a horse does it. Okay, so like if you saw a disembodied, a decapitated horse head floating around your house. Oh, I would need serious therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so that's more scary than just a horse. That's yeah, yeah, around. a live horse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If Do you ever imaginary you. friend Anne Marie have a pole inside? Did I don't know. <laughs> imagine. I'm trying to tie it. Imagine every haunted spirit had a pole. I don't want to imagine yeah. that. It makes me very upset. Yeah. Let me tell you about this tradition. Okay. The celebration of Mary LWYD. I'm so sorry, everybody out there. I can't pronounce this. Mary Lewid, uh, which translates to Holy Mary, which originated in South Wales and is still celebrated in the region of Glamorgan, is one of the creepiest Christmas traditions in the world. The Mary lid itself is a dead horse dressed up and put on a pole the welsh government describes the celebration thusly people made a horse figure from a horse's skull with decorative ears and eyes attached they adorned it with colorful reins bells and ribbons and wrapped it with a white sheet that is carried around on a pole the mary lewid and its party would go door to door singing and challenging the families inside to battle of rhyming insults in welsh at the end of the battle of wits known as a ponco <laughs> PWNCO, the group would be invited into the house for refreshments. The Mary Lloyd celebration dates back to pre-Christian times and originally used a dead horse and seems to have once been part of a New Year's celebration, but has now become part of Welsh Christmas folklore. And you thought your mother's, oh, this is copy pasted from an article, and you thought your mother's old Christmas decorations were the creepiest thing about your festive season. <laughs> <laughs> Just... 
No. Okay, but imagine a shivery side. <laughs> imagine your neighborhood. Some guy just knocks on your door. He has a dead horse that's decorated on a stick, and he just goes, "I challenge you to a rap battle," because that's essentially what yeah. this is. It's a Welsh rhyming challenge, and whoever wins, uh, I accept. Whoever wait who? Oh, whoever wins comes inside for refreshments. This is like a very weird. Whoever wins comes inside. I like that. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> that's why we nut, nut. on this show. Okay, <laughs> it's very on brand for us. But like, um, what? I I just like, what did the horse do to be to chosen it? for that? Like, he was an innocent party in this. Maybe it's already uh, dead. She. Maybe they didn't slaughter it. Maybe it was like an already dead horse, and they just cut what its they head do off. With the rest of the body. Uh, I don't know. I, I when, just feel like this is a problem, and this shouldn't have happened. Well, now they use a ceramic horse head, so we've matured as okay. time has passed. Yeah. You know, okay. they realized they were killing too many horses. <laughs> so I want to be haunted yeah. by them. <laughs> Maybe that's that's what happened, and then they had to get the guy from Alien Con to come out and channel the horses and scream to release their souls. God's work. So we're going to talk about who's in the lead right now. Mimi. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, it has negative one point. And Mimi has four. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we have a winner. No, no, it's not done yet. Okay. It's not done yet. Don't you worry. There is still time. Like a final Jeopardy thing, right? Where she can. How many points do you get from this final Jeopardy? Okay. How about this? Every four horse heads. Every question. (laughs) Yes. Currently, you have negative one horse head. Um, Well, I could use that to do a rap battle and possibly get refreshments, and then I get haunted. (laughs) Wait. If. You okay? If you lose this, Lauren, okay, you can come back and win if you do a rap battle, incorporating <laughs> incorporating three of these spooky traditions oh, into God. the rap wow. battle, and you can even think about it during all of the episode. And at the end of the episode, if you give us a rap battle, wow, Ali, need those Ali Trebek drives a hard bargain. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You're not going to be paying attention to the whole podcast now. I will even look at this. I will even give you a piece of paper and a pen. Don't do it right now, but you can start thinking. Which balls? That rhymes with a lot of stuff. Deck the halls. Look, I'm writing it for you. Beautiful. Horse stalls. Horse stalls. Uh, Crystal. The stakes really got rose here. Poppin' Crystal. (laughs) Did not expect this when I came in this morning. (laughs) Okay, now we have a new section to this quiz. I'm going to go through some legendary Christmas monsters from around the world. And you guys are going to tell me, are these monsters real or am I making them up? Christmas monsters. All right. And we're starting real easy. The evil demon anti-Santa known as Krampus. Real or fake? Mimi. Real. Mimi, you You are You heard of him before? Yeah. There's like a movie. Yeah, there's a movie. Did you not see Krampus? I watched the movie. It was not that good. But I like scary movies. I like scary movies. Yeah. Oh, that's why I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lauren only watches good movies. Pure part. <laughs> so, Lauren, since you've never heard of Krampus, let me tell you a little bit about it. All right. It. All right. All right. Krampus. As a tool to encourage good behavior in children, Santa serves as the carrot and Krampus is the stick. Krampus is the evil demon anti-Santa or maybe his evil twin. Krampus Night is celebrated on December 5th, the eve of St. Nicholas Day in Austria and other parts of Europe. Public celebrations that night have many Krampuses walking the streets, looking for people to beat with sticks. Alcohol is also involved. 
Injuries in recent years have led to some reforms, Jeez. such as requiring all Krampuses to wear numbers so they may be identified in case of overly violent behavior. Krampus may look like a devil or like a wild alpine beast, depending on what materials are available to make a Krampus costume. In modern times, people can spend as much as they like to become the best cr Krampus around, and the tradition is spreading beyond Europe. Many cities in America have their own Krampus nights now. I think this is just like an opportunity for that weird uncle that comes to like beat children. Everybody has yeah. one weird uncle. Yeah. I was talking about this the other night with somebody. Possible, possible haunted uh, Christmas demon number two. <laughs> Calamaro, an Italian zombie fisherman who stuffed squid into the rectums of men who committed adultery throughout the year. True or false? Nut. False. <laughs> yeah, you got it. That's, <laughs> that's pretty false. But I, I like the creativity there. Like, yeah, you've done really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I love calamari. And so I was thinking, what can I invent that incorporates calamari? <laughs> Calamaro. He stuffed squid into the rectums of men. I actually support that. I would like to start a rumor that then in a hundred years, people think that this was real. I so wonder I, how many of the haunted stories we've heard. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> like conspiracy theories, like it starts right. as a little seed and then it just takes on a life of its own. So I'm calling it now. I want everybody listening to this podcast right now. Start a rumor. Uh, during Christmas dinner, tell your whole family about Calamaro, the Italian zombie fisherman who stuffed squid into the anuses of men who committed adultery. And maybe we'll have less men cheating, too, in the future. You never know. Unless they're into that. Yeah. Oh, know, that damn it. Oh, you're right. People put weird things in their butts. And everybody loves hentai. Uh, no? No. It me? scares me. <laughs> I just remember I, Raina recently was like... Uh, oh, that tweet. Yeah, she was like, why do all of these porn bots keep adding me, like adding me on Twitter? I like, like I, She's men. like, I'm fucking grossed out by non-animated porn. <laughs> yeah. Do not tweet at me your gross butthole. Like, I don't want to see it. I love Raina. Yeah. I miss her. I know. I miss her too. Come back. <laughs> her new show is so good. I know. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Have you watched it yet? I haven't Lauren? seen it, but I heard Got about it. I watched one. It was so good. That's Shout so out awesome. Raina. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, she's doing big her. things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's another one that I am not going to be able to pronounce. Another Icelandic one I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Okay. Jola. This is a trap. <laughs> or is that what I wanted you to think? I know. I don't know. Okay. Jolak. <laughs> Hold on. Joe Laco Turin, the evil Christmas cat who eats people that don't get clothes for Christmas. Real or fake? Nut. Lauren. False. It's true. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lauren, you, kidding you me? have negative four horse heads now. <laughs> Where am I supposed to find these? I don't know. Okay. Jolaco Turin is the Icelandic Yule cat or Christmas cat. He is not a nice cat. In fact, he may eat you. This character is tied to an Icelandic tradition in which those who finished all their work on time received new clothes for Christmas, while those who were lazy did not. To encourage children to work hard, parents told the tale of the Yule Cat, saying that Jolako Turin could tell who the lazy children were because they did not have at least one new item of clothing for Christmas, and these children would be sacrificed to the Yule Cat. This reminder tends to spur children to doing their chores. A poem written about the cat ends with a suggestion that children help out the needy so they too can have the protection of new clothing. It's no wonder that Icelanders put in more overtime at work than most Europeans. And some of these just seem like... It was psychological you, manipulation, but like it was just before you could take away Wi-Fi. Like right. they had to get creative. Now You're it's right. just like I will sacrifice you to a off. demon cat yeah. if you don't do your chores. Yeah. So Lauren, 
<laughs> I'm so sorry to report to you that you are still losing. You might have to write a couple of raps. I know. I know. Each. How about this? Each each bar in your rap <laughs> is two horse heads. I'm just going to put this out here, too. I am not a rapper. Oh, really? What? <laughs> oh, my God. Just so everyone listening knows. You invited wow. a non-rapper to be on this podcast? I know. I'm I'm actually feeling a little bamboozled right now. The only reason I why know I that's what you guys thought. We're on, like, hollow yeah, ground right now. You were really excited to hear what I was going to rap yes. about. But <laughs> Did you not Sorry hear in tell your you. intro? I spent so long talking about how <laughs> you were a battle rapper. I didn't want to break the news then. What would your name be if you were a battle rapper. Oh, is pretty dope. Low ho. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that is a what, ho and she gets low. Yeah. That is what uh, used to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was born as MC Loho and then changed it later in life to Lauren Ho. I'd like to not go, be, go back to that. <laughs> well, too late. I'm crossing out your name now on this uh, piece of paper and I'm writing MC Loho. It was a past me. <laughs> okay. Next possible haunted Christmas entity is Frau Perchta, the witch who replaces your intestines with trash if you commit any sins throughout the year. True or false? Oh my God. I'm, uh, I'm just going to go for it. Okay. What do you have to lose at this point? <laughs> Only rapping more. Yeah. Uh, false. Fuck. Just Lauren! by your face. <laughs> Lauren. Negative oh. five horse heads. You're not saying nut. <laughs> okay, this is real. I just can't not. This, this is real. I can't not nut. Tales told in Germany and Austria sometimes feature a witch named Frau Perkta who hands out both rewards and punishments during the 12 days of Christmas. She is best known for her gruesome punishment of the sinful. She will rip out your internal organs and replace them with garbage. The ugly image of Perkta may show up in Christmas processions in Austria, somewhat like Krampus. Perkta's story is thought to have descended from a legendary alpine goddess of nature who tends the forest most of the year and deals with humans only during Christmas. In modern celebrations, Perkta or a close relation may show up in processions during Fastnacht, the alpine festival just before Lent. There may be some connection between Frau Perkta and the Italian witch La Befana, but La Befana isn't really a monster. She's just really ugly. Oh. I bet she has a great personality. Though. Yeah, I'm and sure. And nobody just nobody's taken the time to get to know her. And yeah. that's really a shame. Lauren, are you uh, on the rhyming dictionary right now? I see you on your phone looking. <laughs> I just have to make sure <laughs> my reference is on point. <laughs> OK. Oh, well, now I have a photo to go along with Krampus. Yes. OK. So are you envisioning now this creature of the night that comes and eats children that have been sinful? Oh, yeah. This guy for sure eats children. Yeah, absolutely. I think most of these demons we're talking about eat children. Yeah. That is a yeah. child eater. Oh, I wouldn't want to see him at any time of the year. Okay, guys, number, we have got three more to go. So, Lauren, come on. Okay. Well, not anymore. Number. <laughs> no, no, no. December for Lauren. Over here. No, oh, I December. know. Yeah, Lauren never got the memo that it's December. She's still a no, not November. Okay, number five. Klaus. Whore, which is H-O-O-R, the female anti-Santa that wraps chains around the necks of homeowners before stealing their livestock. True or false? Wait, can you repeat that one more time? Yes. Okay. Klaus Whore, I don't know how, it's H-O-O-R, the female anti-Santa that wraps chains around the necks of homeowners before stealing their livestock. Nut. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to say false. Mimi, you read me like a book. You are correct. Brilliant. <laughs> You're so mad at me. I love 
me let me just up, I want to give an update before these final two, Lauren. Lauren currently has negative one, two, three, four, negative four horse heads. But coming up really close. <laughs> Mimi is up seven horse heads and has had no negatives at all. In fact, I don't know that it's really a horse head. I think it's a it's a witch ball. I think you have seven witch balls because those seem positive. All right. Yeah. Okay. Last two, you guys do or die. The Kaliki Kansaroi, a group of Greek demons that can only be stopped from stealing your baby if you place a colander outside your door. Do you guys know what a colander is? Yes. Yes. Uh huh. True. Yes, that is true. Mimi's just like taking no prisoners right now. Yeah. I love How you. do you know that? <laughs> um, I think I've heard of like, well, I know that like it's a big thing to like leave things outside your door. Right. Yes. I figured that came from like a true. Okay. When I read it, I thought it was false. But your logic makes a lot of sense. So in Greece, a group of demons called the Kalikansaroi were said to spend the year underground sawing through the tree of life that ran through Earth. Each December, when just a single thread held the tree together, the 12 days of Christmas would compel them to come overground and wander the Earth. By their return in January, the tree had repaired itself and they had to start again. Once overground, they caused mischief and chaos, but above all, sought to steal any child born over the 12 days of Christmas and turn them into a fellow demon. They could be kept at bay by binding newborn babies in straw and garlic, or you could stop the creatures by putting a colander outside your door. The idea being that the Kaliki Kansaroi would be compelled to count the holes, but because the number three is holy in Greek, they would fail to count that number and have to start again. This would then occupy them until sunrise when the house would be safe until darkness fell. All right. Any thoughts? I just didn't, wouldn't want my newborn to smell like garlic bread. Yeah. So those are only two. Well, that's why the colander thing is an option. Yeah. You can either wrap your child in garlic and straw or just put a colander out front. Who opted for the garlic? People without a colander? I don't know. So the last one, Lauren, you could take away a negative right now. Hans Trop, the haunted French Christmas scarecrow. True or false? Everyone's so scared. <laughs> I'll repeat it. I'll repeat it. Hans Trop, the haunted French Christmas scarecrow. Hans Trop. How do you spell Trop? T R A P P. Wouldn't that be German? All right, nut. All right, Lauren. False. <laughs> Fudge. Lauren, it's real. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I have to go home. <laughs> gotten one right this whole game <laughs> and what have I learned about nutting <laughs> never nut unless you're sure about it so let me tell you about Hans Trapp because I actually almost did my story for this episode about this guy because he was real the haunted French scarecrow is based on a real man Okay, Hans Trapp is another anti-Santa who hands out punishments to bad children in the Alsace and Lorraine regions of France. The legend says that Trapp was a real man, a rich, greedy, and evil man who worshipped Satan and was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. He was exiled into a forest where he preyed upon children, disguised as a scarecrow with straw jutting out from his clothing. He was about to eat one boy he captured when he was struck by lightning and killed, a punishment of his own from God. Still, he visits young children before Christmas dressed as a scarecrow to scare them into good behavior. People like punishing children. 
is they do. basically what this comes down to. I think what I'm discovering is that everyone is kind of a pussy. And so they don't want to tell their children that they're the ones being mean. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want my child to hate me. So I'm going to tell them a haunted scarecrow is going to eat him instead. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, now we have Elf on the Shelf. Yes. Elf on the... Mm. That, I yeah, find I just that learned so about that creepy. Recently. Yeah. It's like, he's like, it's like you're teaching your children to be a title tale. Right. Well, and also, did you see they make Elf on a Shelves that have cameras inside of them? So some parents literally, it's literally and like the parents, if they're out of town, will watch through Mm -hmm. the Elf like that. Oh, oh, makes me so uncomfortable. Why would you do that? I I feel like when you put out, it's you put out cameras like that. You're asking to see bad things. Right. Like it's like when parents go through their kids' diaries. Yeah. Like, come on. It's like you never go through someone's phone. Like you never go looking for trouble and not find anything. Exactly. Yeah. It's you're going to find something. You're going to find something. I know. Yeah. You're going to find something that makes you sad. It may not be world shattering or shattering, but it's going to be something that makes you upset. Yeah. Yeah. Mind your business. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get into today's story. Let's do it. Okay. Mimi, I'm sure you've already heard this story because I know that you love true crime podcasts, right? Oh, yes. Such a guilty pleasure. I know. We don't normally cover true crime on this podcast. We have covered a few things before, like the Jameson family disappearance. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you ever heard that one. Um, But we normally cover true crime that can have a paranormal spin on it or that has at least one paranormal element to it. Okay. So have you ever heard, Mimi, of the Sodder children? Um... I might have. I'm, the name is not ringing any bells. Okay, let's begin. In 1945, on the night before Christmas in Fayetteville, West Virginia, George and Jenny Sauter, along with their nine children, were fast asleep in their home. Suddenly, around 1 a.m., a fire breaks out. George and Jenny awoke in a panic to the smell of smoke and quickly tried to round up their children to escape. However, The fire spread quickly, and the Sodders were only able to escape with four out of nine children. The house soon... Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, people didn't have TV back then or internet, so it was just a lot of fucking... 1945? Or birth control. Yeah, no... Yeah, yeah. No reliable birth control. No internet. The house soon became completely engulfed and burned to the ground. The damage was such that there was no way the other five Sodder children could have survived. However... No trace of their bodies would ever be discovered, prompting some to allege foul play while still others choose to blame paranormal phenomenon. Okay, were they their five favorite that perished or were it the five worst behaved children that perished? You know, my research did not reveal, (laughs) but this is a very valid question. I'm just curious. And I think that we should keep that in mind for the end because maybe it was the least favorite. Okay. So let's take a step back. I'm going to tell you guys who these people are. Okay. So the Sauter family consisted of patriarch George Sauter, matriarch Jenny Sauter, and their nine children, Sylvia, who's two years old, Marion, who's 17 years old, John, who's 23, which like, why are you still living at home? Yeah, get a job. (laughs) Yeah, come on. George Jr., 16 years old, Maurice, 14 years old, Martha, 12 years old, Louis, nine years old. Ginny, eight years old, and Betty, five years old. I can't imagine having that many children. Dude, mm-hmm. my grandma, ha- she's one of 13. I can't Oh, my God. Imagine. Did she get any attention? I 
I she's pretty happy. I feel like I would forget my children's names. I mean, like, I think you would remember from the birthing the process. Birthing pro- I know that would ingrain it in your mind. But I doesn't isn't it true that giving birth, your brain will actually erase that experience for you because it's yeah, so traumatic? I could see that. I've read that before. Mm-hmm. That most well, women that's why don't people remember. keep having children. Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. just a year it's like, after. It's like an evolutionary thing mm-hmm. where like our bodies are like this is so horrific and painful mm-hmm. that we're just going to erase this it never right. happened but i also think that after like four they just walk out yeah i mean it would you'd imagine it would i would be I, easier the damage okay george Sauter, the dad worked as a trucker hauling coal and he owned two coal trucks that he parked on their property their property consisted of a two-story frame house just north of fayetteville west virginia that had a chicken coop and a small amount of livestock George and Ginny were both Italian immigrants, and together they had a total of 10 children, though by 1945, the eldest had already moved out because he was serving in the military, so that's why we only talk about nine children. Okay. Okay. Although the house was large, the Sodders had to get creative with where the children would sleep since there were so many of them. On the night of Christmas Eve, 1945, the two eldest sons, John, 23, and George, Jr., 16, went to bed early in the attic of the home. George Sr. and wife Jenny also went to bed early, sleeping in a room located at the bottom level of the home with their baby daughter Sylvia sleeping in a crib next to their bed. As for the rest of the children, Marion, Martha, Jenny, Betty, Maurice, and Louis. <laughs> I'm like attached to Betty already. I know. She's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Like she's, let's see, how old is Betty? Betty? Five, right? Yeah, six. Oh. Six. Oh, so cute. Um, had all asked to stay up late so that they could play with toys that Marianne had brought them from her job at the dime store. Their mother agreed and told them to just make sure that they locked up the chicken coop, fed the cattle and locked up the house and turned off all the lights before going to bed. So to recap, the two guys in the attic are already asleep. And those are the older. Those are the older ones. Yeah. And then the mom and dad already asleep. And so is the baby because the baby sleeps there in the crib. Okay, a little bit after midnight at approximately 12.30 a.m. on Christmas Day, Ginny, the mom, was awoken by the sound of a phone ringing in her office. She got up and answered the phone. On the other end was a voice she didn't recognize. The person did not introduce themselves but asked for someone that she had never heard of. When she told the man that he had the wrong number, he started laughing and she could hear glasses clinking in the background. Ginny hung up and before going back to bed, she poked her head downstairs to see if the children were still up. None of the children were in sight except Marion, who had fallen asleep on the couch. Curiously, all of the downstairs lights were still on, the curtains were open, and the doors were all unlocked. Ginny chalked it up to be the kids simply goofing off before bed, and she turned the lights off and locked up before heading back to bed herself. Not long after, Ginny was startled awake again by the sound of a loud bang followed by a rolling noise on the roof. However, she soon dozed off again and finally awoke an hour later to see the house engulfed in smoke. She woke up her husband and they realized that their office was on fire and spreading quickly throughout the rest of the house. Marion, who was asleep on the couch, was the first to make it out of the house. Ginny grabbed baby Sylvia from the crib and also ran out. George Sr. began yelling up the stairs, trying to wake up his children. The yelling worked, and soon John and George Jr. from the attic came running down. Since they were coming down from the attic, John and George Jr. had to run down past the second floor to get to the front door on the first floor. As they came down the se- onto the second floor, the brothers yelled for their siblings, whose rooms were located there, and then they continued down and out the front door, assuming that their brothers and sisters would be running right behind them. However... Once the four children, along with their parents, made it outside, 
they realized that the younger siblings were still trapped inside the house. George Sr. ran back inside the house only to discover that the entire stairway leading up to the second floor was completely on fire. Mm. He decided to try to go in through one of the windows on the bottom floor instead. He broke one with his arm, severely slicing himself, only to find that the entire bottom level of the house was now engulfed in flames as well. Normally, George Sr. kept a ladder on the side of the house, so he ran to go find it to see if he could climb into one of the windows on the second story. However, the ladder had mysteriously vanished and could not be found anywhere. Then George decided to grab one of his tall coal trucks and park it on the side of the house so that he could access the upper windows by climbing on top of it. He got inside the first truck and tried to turn the key, but nothing happened. No matter how hard he tried, the engine would not turn over. He got out and ran inside his second coal truck, but the same thing happened. George could not get that truck to turn on either. This was very unusual because he had just had a job driving both of the trucks earlier that week. Marion, one of the daughters, ran to a neighbor's house to call the fire department. But since it was Christmas, there were no operators on duty and no one to answer the call. Marion then tried to call a local tavern in town, but nobody answered there either. Finally, a neighbor volunteered to drive into town to try to find Fire Chief F.J. Morris in person. Now, keep in mind, because I'm sure everyone's thinking, like, why, why would you call a tavern? Like, this is weird. Keep in mind that the 911 emergency services system was not founded until 1968. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so recent. I'd never, yeah, it never even crazy. occurred yeah. to me how recent that is. You knew that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. A lot of true crime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the Fayetteville Fire Department also didn't have any any way to alert firemen all at once that their services were needed. So instead, citizens would have to call an operator who would then call the fire chief, who would then call his firefighters one by one to assemble them in the event of an emergency. Hmm. This is very inefficient. Can we all agree on that? This is terrible. Okay. So when the police chief was finally located in town by the neighbor and when the firefighters had all finally been assembled and driven out to the solder home, seven hours had already elapsed since the fire first broke out. Um, not, not, yeah, <laughs> hit that nut button. Like, it's like an outraged nut though, right? Yeah. Like, um, no, yeah, like, nuts. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> What's left? Okay, right. Thank you for asking. So by then, obviously, the entire solder home had already been destroyed with the whole foundation having collapsed into the basement. Keep in mind that the fire department itself was located just two miles from the solder home. What? Oh they could have walked there. Yeah. Got the truck Jeez. and driven, driven back. Driven back. Yeah. In less than seven hours. This is, this is insane. Why? What? Okay. But what is this 23 year old doing? Because like, first of all, he didn't grab any siblings. He could have ran to the firehouse. Two miles. Like, I'm sorry. You don't have a job. You're living at home with your parents. At least run to the fire station. Yes. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Marion, who's like 17, already is working at the dime store and buying toys for her, like her brothers and sisters. (laughs) Like 23 year old. And this 23 is just in the attic. Like, oh, hey guys, get out of the room. So actually it's interesting you bring that up because During the course of the investigation, all of these kids that survived are going to be interviewed, right? Mm -hmm. Including the parents. And when the 23-year-old is interviewed, at first he says that he ran inside his siblings' rooms and shook them awake. And that's why he thought they were going to run out after him. But then later his story changes. Wait to see? 
Mm, or carry right? them? Yeah, right. seriously. I carry them out You're of there. Betty is man. six. Betty is six. Yes, pick her up and run. You're just right? going to leave them there? Right? So, Hope they wake up. So he says that that's what he did at first. And then later he changes his story and he's like, oh no, actually the fire was already on that side of the house. So I just yelled and I thought I heard a door opening. So I thought that they were going to be right behind me. And I was going to so give them know. the benefit Look, of the doubt, thinking maybe they had already gotten out or right, something. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm just telling you that's what the report says. Okay? Fishy. Okay. All right. So, the firemen sifted through the wreckage looking for bodies, but didn't immediately find anything. They did, however, locate George Sr.'s missing ladder, which had been tossed 75 feet away from its normal resting spot down an embankment. Since it was Christmas morning, the fire chief told George Sr. that his men wouldn't be able to conduct a thorough search or investigation until after the holidays were over. Wow. That sucks. Like, just imagine you've lost over half of your family, your entire home, everything. It takes seven hours for the police or the fireman to get there. And then when he gets there, he's like, you know, I don't immediately see any any people that could still be alive. So we'll come back after Christmas. (laughs) 1940s were just such a different time. So after Christmas, the fire chief comes back out. Priorities. <laughs> Priorities is eating your Christmas ham. Yes. And putting your witch balls Not on Not having your tree. to think about murdering yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a fire that killed a bunch of children. Exactly. So. Like, you know, this is inconvenient to me. I would rather just. Think about this after the holidays. I'd rather carry a horse head from door to door. I have questions. Can I have a notepad? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, I just want to write this, this down is perfect. Okay. Mm. Okay. So the next day, the fire chief came out with a few firefighters and an inspector to go through the rubble and write a report. Still, the firefighters reported that they could not find any bones or any clothing or any trace at all of the missing children. The police inspector said that the cause of the fire was faulty wiring, but George and Ginny wanted to know how that was even possible, given that there had been no previous issues with the electricity. In fact, during the fire... George and Ginny said that they would not have been able to escape if not for the lighting. So there was no faulty wiring because they had to turn the lights on in order to see how to get yeah. out of the house because there was so much smoke and it was so dark. But it could have been two different systems, right? But it wasn't. It was Ooh. one system. Right, okay. Yeah, back then. And it was like, you know, the wires were like literally wrapped in wool back yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. Which is like crazy dangerous but yeah super unsafe but so their argument is there's no way this is possible because we were able to turn on all of the lights to escape and everything was working nothing was flickering even Mm -hmm. though their house was full of fire okay they also wanted to know why there were no remains among the ashes chief morris said that the blaze had probably just cremated the bodies but a crematorium worker told jenny that bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2000 degrees for two hours the solder home only took 45 minutes to burn to the ground it just took seven hours for the fire department to get there so okay nothing's adding up no okay on december 29th george solder the dad, Mm -hmm. bulldozed some soil over the remains of his house as a sort of mass grave for his children. He, Ginny, and the surviving Sauter children planted flowers on top of the area as a shrine to their lost loved ones. We only talked about four children surviving. Is this, are we getting to this? Uh, Yes, only four children survived. Oh, I I was thinking five for some reason. Okay. No, no, no. Four children. You got it. Okay. Four children plus the mom and the dad. Oh, Betty. I was holding out for Betty. I know. She's so sweet. She made it. Almost immediately, the Sodders began to doubt that their children had perished in the fire. After learning from the crematorium worker that it would be impossible for her children's bones to have been reduced to ashes in 45 minutes, Jenny began conducting experiments in her new home using chicken bones to see how long it would take to burn them up. 
Once she realizes that the crematorium worker is correct, it is impossible. You can't even burn chicken bones, which are so much smaller yeah. and thinner. Mm -hmm. The Sodders decided to hire a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley to look into their case, which is just the best private investigator mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, it's 1949. Let's fast forward a little bit. 1949, a pathologist named Oscar Hunter was hired by the family, and a new search of the area uncovered a tiny portion of human vertebrae, which were then sent to the Smithsonian Institute for analysis. Okay, now here's where it gets a little weird. The analysis uncovered that these vertebrae had not been burned at all. They were indeed human vertebrae, but they were most likely, based on analysis, those of a 17-year-old male. None of the deceased Sodder children were anywhere close to that age. The closest was 14-year-old Maurice. But in their official report of the bone analysis, the Smithsonian Institution wrote that in their opinion, it was, quote, extremely improbable that the vertebrae uncovered would have belonged to Maurice due to a three-year difference in bone maturation. So now we've got just vertebrae from yeah, a human. but just one. Uh, two. It two. was two, two, two human okay. vertebrae. And they were both not 17? connected. Uh, yes, they're both from the same body. Okay. There were other oddities about the case as well. In the months preceding the blaze, an ominous drifter reportedly cursed the Sodder home while passing through for an unknown reason. Also, an insurance salesman threatened the Sodder family when they declined to purchase fire insurance from him. He allegedly told them, your house is going to burn down before driving away. A few weeks later... Sounds like a threat. Yeah, what <laughs> could that mean? Sounds very yeah. on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> a few weeks later, another insurance salesman angrily told George his house would go up in smoke and his children would be destroyed as payment for his criticism of Mussolini among the area's largely Italian immigrant community. The family's private investigator, Cece Tinsley, would later uncover that a member of the coroner's jury who helped decide that the fire was an accident was actually that same life insurance agent that threatened to burn down the Sodder's home. That, that's a conflict of interest. Right? Like, you yeah. think, are there just not that many people in this town? Yeah. Like, well, you really could couldn't be find that. could be possible. Where is this again? This is in Fayetteville, uh, Fayetteville West Virginia. Okay. And it is small. Like, currently to this day, they still only have a volunteer fire firefighter department. Like, that's how wow. small it is. Even after this? Even after this, you think <laughs> someone would learn, but... Okay. Tinsley also interviewed a minister during the course of his investigation who told him that the fire chief had confessed to him that he had lied to the family about not finding any remains at the site of the fire and that he had actually found a human heart, which he had hidden and buried in a dynamite box. Tinsley then confronted the fire chief, who agreed to show him where the box had been buried. They were able to locate the box and send its contents out for testing. But the lab reported back that it was actually a beef liver inside the box and not a human heart. <laughs> the lab also said that it looked like fresh beef liver and not something that would have been sitting underground for years. The chief's excuse was that he had made the whole story up because he thought it would bring the family closure. Are you kidding me? Okay, but like, <gasps> That's so mean. He, couldn't, he couldn't get a heart? Like he, yeah, you can't at least get, get a heart. Yeah, like you can't. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't at least. Well, try. no, I think they would look very different though. A cow heart, I'm sure, would be pretty okay, big. But, yeah, but a, a beef liver, a liver, <laughs> livers are. <laughs> It's something, right? and it's something you eat. It was like the kind of liver that you eat. So it's Did like he just burn gone it to a butcher. Like, no, <laughs> it's just a beef liver that he buried in a dynamite box. 
I would have at least like gone for the like anatomically correct part of the cow, like the cow. Well, like, and it's and it sounds like he's kind of in cahoots with this coroner anyway, right? Because the coroner's inquisition pulled together a jury of six, one of which is that insurance salesman right. that may have burned down the yeah. house. So like, could he have not just gone to the coroner and been like, give me a heart? They found two human vertebrae somehow. Uh, okay. It's a lot. Okay. We're going to put a pin in it. Yeah. All right. After the fire, different residents in the area and later throughout the United States reported seeing the missing solder children. The solder children were reportedly spotted in a passing car watching the blaze. And also the morning after the fire, a woman operating a truck stop 50 miles away said the children who were with, quote, Italian speaking adults hmm. came in for breakfast. The woman was reported as saying, I served them breakfast. They were in a car with Florida license plates at the tourist court, too. At a hotel in Charleston, West Virginia, a woman said she saw four out of the five children about a week after the fire. She's quoted as saying, the children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of Italian extraction. I don't remember the exact date. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the man appeared hostile and refused to allow me to talk to these children. I sensed that I was being frozen out, so I said nothing more. They left early the next morning. A few years later, George, the dad, this is really sad, thought he saw his missing daughter, Betty, in a photo of New York school Damn children. George drove all the way to New York from West Virginia to see if this was Betty, but the parents of the child refused to let him see her. Aww. I know. The Sodders then contacted the FBI, but to no avail, and spent the rest of their lives searching for the children, scouring the country and following up on leads. George and Jenny even built a billboard on Route 15 advertising their missing children. It was there for over 40 years. Wow. The billboard accused the police and the fire departments of being involved in the kidnapping and said, quote, what was the motive of the law officers involved? Why, what did they have to gain by making us suffer all of these years of injustice? Why did they lie and force us to accept those lies? Which, side note, this sounds like... Three billboards. Yeah, three billboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you're passing down on the highway. Yeah. Well, did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Three, three oh, boards outside, outside of Ebbing? Uh, Ebbing, Montana. Yeah, or yeah. something like that. No, but it was I, it's, so good. I think yeah. I've heard of that actually because this did sound very. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just now. Uh, well, and there's another story of it that it's based based on. Based on. Yeah, yeah, which is but not this. This one. was the original. Yeah. I okay. Think, I think that's this is what it sounds yeah. like to me. So nearly 20 years after the fire in 1968, Ginny received a picture in the mail of a young man claiming to be Lewis, but attempts to find him were fruitless. George died later that same year. Ginny built a fence around their home and wore black until she died in 1989. The youngest of the Sodder children, Sylvia, now in her 70s, resides in St. Albans, West Virginia, and the mystery of the Sodder children lives on. Sylvia's daughter, Ginny Hinthorn, is now continuing the search. She said, my mom promised my grandmother that she would never let the story die. That's what my brother and I are doing now. Okay, now I'm going to show you this video. Natalia and I did a story on a haunted house once and Dave Spinks is a YouTuber who is like we've we'll re be researching a story and then all of a sudden it's like oh and Dave Spinks went there so like this guy is just like literally all over the place and he did, went to the site of the solder house and did an EVP reading so we're gonna watch this EVP reading by Dave Spinks okay okay was the fire mafia related what happened to the children? Oh, 
Tell me how many children disappeared from this location. If the children did not die in the fire, tell me what happened to them. Tell me the children that disappeared's names or died. The ones that died or disappeared, tell me their names. Did this whole deal have to do with George Sauter talking bad about Mussolini, yes or no? Was there a cover-up? You just said the number five. Tell me five. What does five mean? Were the children murdered? What happened to the oldest boy? Who wants revenge? What business was George Sauter in? Where were the children taken if they were kidnapped? Where were the children taken if they were in fact kidnapped?
Are any of the children still alive? Who's the little girl that just said something? What's your name? Don't be scared. The little girl, what is your name? If you died, can you tell me what year you died in? This is your chance to tell me what happened to you. Okay. So, Dave Spinks is using a ghost box. We're not a skeptic podcast. I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. So we have no opinion on whether or not these things work. So a ghost box, what it does is it picks up different radio signals in the area and it cycles through all of the channels it can find. And then supposedly this helps ghosts make a connection it's supposed to be easier for them because they can harness that electromagnetic activity or whatever. And then they will pick out words from different channels in order to convey what's happened to them. So in this video, do you guys want to explain what you saw? I don't know if you were able to read some of the captions. Yeah. So Is there, there anything was, that stuck out to you? Uh, the So he was basically asking questions and um, he looked like he was in a car outside of. Was he like directly outside of? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And he was asking the spirits, right? Right. Yes. And it sounded like you could hear some of the children like saying help, which is really sad. Yeah. Which is really sad. And uh, I saw buried them all. Mm -hmm. Um. And then what did you see any captions after any of the questions that stood out to you besides buried them all? I buried them all. Help. There was a point where um, he said something like, um, what happened? Was it mafia related? And then afterwards, it sounds like maybe something is saying found them, like the words found them. So anyway, some oh, okay. people say that this is evidence of like it, it was because the family had been critical of Mussolini mm -hmm. and they were in a they were Italian immigrants living amongst a predominantly Italian immigrant population. So that's one of the theories is that maybe that's why it took seven hours for the police mm -hmm. or the fire chief to come out because they actually didn't care and they wanted okay. this to so happen. So the fire chief was also Italian? Italian. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So now the let's get into some of the theories before we before we talk about our thoughts. Okay. The life insurance salesman. So the life insurance salesman comes to the home. Things aren't going great. George isn't going to buy. So the salesman goes on a rant and allegedly says the following. Your goddamn house is going to go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to pay for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. On the days leading up to the fire, of the two sons saw a man watching the younger children walking home from school on multiple days. So this is a different theory that we've never heard yet. Later, when um, all of the kids are being interviewed by different newspapers, this is something that comes to light, is that the two older children, uh, two older sons, saw um, a man following the younger children walking home from school on multiple days. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now, also, let's talk about that phone call that Jenny got at 1230 a.m. So the night okay. of the fire at 1230 a.m., the phone rings, Jenny answers the phone and notices that all the lights are still on downstairs. Front door is unlocked. Um, a man is on the other end of the line. Jenny doesn't know this person. She says, hey, you got the wrong number. Then right afterwards, she hears a thud on the roof and something that sounds like something is rolling down the roof. And then later she's awoken to smoke. 
Could this have been uh, a planned call that was a distraction so that she wouldn't see something? Because she's in the office where the fire starts, uh, mm-hmm. supposedly, answers the phone. And then when she comes out is when she notices that all the windows are open, all of the doors are unlocked. The windows weren't open before at all? No. Okay. So could this have been a distraction? Could this person, this man on the line, have been in cahoots with somebody who was going to come in and kidnap the kids? And then later when she goes back to bed, that's when she hears something that's a rolling noise on the roof. And people speculate that that was... Um, a Molotov cocktail. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the, they said the fire started in the office. Right. So could somebody have thrown something onto the roof or through a window as well? But didn't she close all the windows? Downstairs. Downstairs. Yeah. They, there's no mention of what happened with the office window. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then we talk about the faulty wiring, which is what people are saying, uh-huh. um, or what the official cause is ruled as. So... Um, the lights being on may point to the wiring not being a cause of the fire, like we said, um, because the lights were also said to have helped the family escape the fire. And a witness saw a man removing a block and tackle from the property. These are used to remove engines from cars, potentially the cause for the cars not working. Wow. The cars were not checked for this ever. You would have needed to use it, though. Well, I guess... I don't know. They were never checked. And then Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard. Jenny, the mom, believes this was the cause of the thud she heard earlier in the night. And George believes this, believes this to be part of a napalm pineapple bomb, which is a variation of a Molotov cocktail. Okay. And this is a picture of what it looks like. I know it's tiny, but this is what they found. Oh. Okay. So supposedly that's a piece of a Molotov cocktail. Some around town believe the mafia to be involved. Others believe the children have been taken to Italy by a family member. A woman from St. Louis reached out and said that the oldest daughter was at a convent in St. Louis, but that never checked out. Mm -hmm. Someone from Florida said the missing children were with Ginny's distant family in Florida, but when that was investigated, that didn't check out. In 1968, a photo that was sent to them specifically to Ginny showing a man in his mid-20s had no return address. It was postmarked in Kentucky. Many people thought it would be Lewis, and there was a note on the back that said, Lewis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, Lil Boys, A90132 or 35. It was found that 90132 could possibly be a zip code in Italy that is no longer in use. Um, there is no brother named Frankie, so nobody is sure why it's why it would have said I love brother Frankie on the back. Hmm. Um, a private investigator was hired to find this person, but the investigator disappeared and was never heard from again. Some people believe that the detective just stole the money and disappeared. Nobody really knows. And then the most wild and final theory that I saw that's on the paranormal side is Krampus. That was my first thought when I heard the thud on the... uh, Yes, literally. Krampus is what people are saying. So some witnesses who claim that they saw someone throwing fire onto the roof just after midnight, the night of the fire, the night that the fire began, claim that the figure may have actually been supernatural. Some have even gone so far to claim that the figure was actually Krampus, who set the home ablaze using coal from the fire fires of hell before kidnapping the naughty solder children and dragging them down to be eaten. The thud on top of the roof is speculated to be Krampus landing on the roof, rolling down it and then throwing his hellfire into the office. The 23-year-old that still lives at home wasn't naughty, though. <laughs> like, <bother> you. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Like, Yeah, how can Betty be more naughty than yeah. 23-year-old? Yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't a child anymore. Lauren. Okay, okay. Lauren, you, you've said something very great, so now I forgive you for having negative horse heads. Can I have a horse head back? <laughs> 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 um, so I'm going to quickly read my sources, and then okay. let's discuss. Okay. Okay. 
sources. Stuff You Missed in History Class podcast, all that's interesting.com forward slash solder children. Um, research assistant Chad Sproles, who used um, smithsonianmag.com, um, websleuths.com. And for the games, I used bustle.com, mentalfloss.com, bbc.co.uk. And bullshit.com. And uh, bullshit.com. <laughs> and um, the Real Supernatural YouTube channel, which has Dave Spinks. Okay. <clears throat> Discuss. Maybe okay. Thoughts. So my first question is, so uh, my dad is a general contractor and he actually, his most of his business is rebuilding houses that have burnt down. Okay. A lot of the time, it, this is happens at Christmas time where people do not properly hydrate their Christmas trees and they burn down. This is Christmas time. Did they have a Christmas tree? Where was this Christmas tree? Was it properly hydrated? Did they have like plug-in lights on it? Did they have candles on it? Like hmm. what was the Christmas is, tree situation? This is a because great question. That, that could is. have started the fire. No, you're absolutely right. And if it, they didn't have witch balls with holy water, a witch could have walked by and looked at the tree and set it ablaze. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. So I'm curious about like what the Christmas tree situation was. I'm also curious about what the weather was like. I don't have, oh, I don't have that answer either. Because uh, like it feels a little suspicious that the windows were open and like she wouldn't have closed the office window or wouldn't have noticed that the office window was open, especially if it was like snowing outside. Yes. Very good point. So that, that makes me doubt like that a cock the Molotov cocktail would have been able to go through the window. Okay. Um, and then what was, uh, the, the family's like financial situation? Like it sounded like they had two coal trucks. They were pretty. Yes. He had his own company. Um, and he would truck coal as an independent contractor for various, uh, coal mines in the area. So he, he was doing pretty well. Okay. So, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a situation where like, they were like, Hey, we've got to sacrifice some of these kids because we can't feed them anymore. No. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they were hurting for money, it doesn't make sense why they wouldn't have bought the fire insurance knowing that they were going to burn down their house. Right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm just stuck on the. I, I'm sorry, the oldest brother. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just stuck on the oldest brother. Him and Betty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's weird to be you're 23 living at home and then you don't stop and pick up your siblings on the way out the door. But I guess what would any of us do in an emergency situation? I guess we can't say unless we've been in one before. That's like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm also curious about the situation with the the lights. Um, actually being on and then remembering them being on because I know that when there is a fire, it is so dark because of the smoke. Right. So mm. what was were the flames mistaken for like Oh, lights? that's a good question you too. You know, and, and like because it was so smoky, they couldn't tell if it was just like the flames or if it was actual. Well, they say, so what they said in their report because the fire chief said, oh, it's because you had faulty wiring for your lights that mm -hmm. caught a blaze. And there was only one set of wires. So if they were on fire, then the lights wouldn't be on, right? So what the mom says is that sh she actually couldn't see anything at all until she flipped the switch on because mm -hmm. the upstairs is where the office was. Yeah. And so when she flipped the switch on, she could see downstairs because that hadn't been on fire yet. Okay, okay, okay. And then she ran out. Okay. Now, something I didn't talk about that I just remembered is that when they had an inspector come to look at the wiring, they actually found that the telephone wire had been cut. Oh. So I'm really feeling like the mafia thing is panning out. I mean, it sounds. Especially the call to. Right. To like, I feel like that's like a to see if she's there also, like gauge what was in the background, stuff like that. And also, it's interesting that that call goes through and she's able to answer. But then, then later, the line has been cut. Yeah, I just don't understand like why they would call though. Like where? Like it's 1945. Where else would you be but home on Christmas Eve? 
on like because I, I feel like visiting relatives maybe maybe or? but it just it seems like it's just it's a silly risk to take like waking up the family and then them being able to like survive because they've been woken up true so that seems like a weird thing like I don't unless they were trying to kidnap the kid uh, yeah I yeah. don't know so they're trying to see like is the mom going to be in the office during this time can we distract her so that we can go in and take the kids I know <laughs> how do we feel about the Krampus theory you guys I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, but Krampus, uh, what what are the um, is 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 Krampus something that's you know it's like a German thing, right? Yes. Is it also in like it's Italy? Is it like well, so the interesting thing about cryptids, which we've talked about before on this podcast, is do you believe in cryptids? First of all, that's a question all on its own. Do you think that it's just pure folklore? It's just stories to scare kids into being good? Or do you think it's real? And if you think it's real, do you think that this being is omniscient? Or do you think it can only be in one place at one time? And that's something that James DeAngelis and I talked about when he was on the podcast, uh, because he said his understanding of the devil, because that episode was about the devil, um, is that he can only be in one place at one time. So if Krampus, if we believe that he can only be in one place at one time, then is he, does he have to be in Germany because that's where he originated from? Or is he able to hop on a boat and come to America? Yeah. You know, or do you sure, think- he has other yeah. traveling methods. Right, or can he teleport? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or can he fly through the air? Because some people believe that he comes on Santa's sleigh and that Santa gives the presents to the good kids and then lets Krampus do his thing. And like how awful were these four children that he left Germany and came to America and was like, right. these motherfuckers, <laughs> these guys really need my help. Right. So I guess it depends. Even if he, it depends on what you believe. Even if he originated in Germany, do you believe that he really does go with Santa around to all the houses in the world? Because in that case, he could have been there that night. It's Christmas Eve. What do they talk about in the sleigh? That's a great question. Do you think that Santa is lovers with Krampus? Oh. That's a whole new dynamic. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I like to think that. Cookies and kink. Like, yeah. Hey. I, like <laughs> I mean, they're so opposite that they kind of complement each other. So yeah. I think it's highly um, probable. Lauren, uh, which theory do you like the best? I mean, I kind of thinking the mafia is more believable, but I like the Krampus theater theory yeah. the best for sure. You mean Krampus isn't believable to you? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I do have a nice rhyme. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, Lauren. Incorporating okay, him. give us a, a a little rap. Okay, all right. Okay. <clears throat> you guys want to do? Do a you want to beat? Let me hear. No, it. no, because it won't go with it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna make it even worse. It's gonna be better. Yeah. I'll put generic rap beat, best freestyle rap instrumental beat. Perfect. That's what we're looking for. God. Here we go. <laughs> Krampus the child eater out with hands dropped in a two-seater Which balls won't keep them away But if you take a squid from the bay Your cheating ways will go away You still could get haunted by a cat though Or have garbage intestines, don't you know? Cosmores out there Represent the female version extraordinaire At least the cylinders will protect your babies So stay alert, ladies And look out for Krampus in the Mercedes That's doing it. Okay, she wins. No, you guys, I think, you know what? You guys tie. It was a good, good battle. <laughs> Lauren, that was amazing. I'm going to put in so many air horn noises right now. Yeah. Yes, please do. 
Uh, oh so God. you're going to be on James's next single then? Pretty much. Awesome. Oh okay. my God. This has been yes. my audition actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure, James, you really need to listen to this podcast. James, if you yeah. don't listen to it, my feelings are going to be so hurt. So There's hurt. a special surprise for you at the end. Yeah. Don't skip ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, Lauren. How many references did you fit in there from the episode? I think like every bar had one. Krampus, hands drop. Uh, witch balls, squids, the cat. The the cat eater or like it eats children. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, garbage intestines. <laughs> uh, the cylinders for your baby. Claws whore. Uh, and uh, yeah, back again to Krampus. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud. That was great. Phew, guess I'm glad I could get my dignity back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So closing closing thoughts about anything we've talked about today. What was your favorite mythical creature that we talked about? Here, I'll read them (laughs) off to you. And then you tell me which one you like the best. So we've got Hans Trop. I like all the false ones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Calamaro, the guy that stops squid and anuses. He's probably my favorite. Hans Trop, the haunted French Christmas scarecrow. Um, The Kalikansaroi, a group of Greek demons that can only be stopped if you put a colander outside your door. Klaus Hoare, who I made up who's the female anti-Santa. Frau Perkta, who's a witch that replaces your intestines with trash. <laughs> then we've got uh, Jalako Turin, which is the Christmas cat. Calamaro, we already talked about him. And uh, Krampus. for sure. Yeah. Calamaro's my favorite. Calamaro's yeah. your favorite? <laughs> I think it's the Gastritis Bruja. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I think my favorite is the Haunted Scarecrow guy. I still want to do a story. I want to research that more and do a story on that guy in the future because that's pretty hilarious that he just stuffed straw in his shirt and was like this is a good disguise he was probably really work. high yeah. Eight people yeah yeah <laughs> really high yeah. is that what you said it's the only Off explanation meth. that is okay yeah. <laughs> like really 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 the original meth the original yeah. Yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> accident murder kidnapping mafia hit krampus or th- something else i think it was a kidnapping and like an intentional murder Okay. Possibly by the mafia since that that threat by the insurance salesman that just It's seems so on so the nose, mafia. right? Yeah. Esque. Yeah. Mimi, what do you think? Or inside job, I guess, is another one I didn't mention that it could have been. I'm gonna go with Krampus. Thank I you. I like it. Thank yeah. you for going with Krampus because I think that that one is my favorite out of all of the theories. Mm-hmm. Just imagining Krampus jumping on a roof and then like tumbling inside and that's what <laughs> she heard. That's pretty great. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Okay, I don't believe it was an inside job. The only reason why I don't believe it was an inside job is because the mom was so heartbroken. She wore black for the rest of her life, literally. Okay, so... Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. But even an inside job by the brother? I'm sorry. This is just <laughs> bothering me. I want to believe they're all still alive, but I feel like they would have reached out by now, right? Some of them were... Mm-hmm. Like the 14-year-old Maurice, like, if he were still alive... If they alive, were taken away mm-hmm. that far and yeah, threatened and... Maybe not. Yeah. Different times. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming. Thank on you for having us. Thanks yes. for having us. So what we do when we sign off is our guests have to do our sign off. So our sign off is BRB got to go and then a callback. So an example would be um, like BRB got to go. What was James's? James's when we did no. the I think he said BRB got to go uh, trap the devil in a tree so that he can't come down. That was for our Halloween episode. <laughs> OK, so you guys can each do one and you can do a couple and I'll pick whichever ones you like the best. Okay. 
I'm going to say, BRB, got to go put my colander outside my door. Ooh, that's a good one. Wrap my baby in garlic. (laughs) (laughs) Either one. BRB got to go win a rap battle so that the horse head Mm -hmm. comes inside your house, I guess. is is what the purpose was. BRB got to go parade horse heads (laughs) around that uh, neighborhood. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.